worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. From Red Raider Outfitter outside Jones Stadium, Rock 101 Sports presents the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. Starring Pete Christie, Jared Donson, Sean Dillon, and host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. I was tip off early. I'm still tip off. I mean, I'm not going to change that. Um, you know, our, our guys are still fighting. They're still, you know, coaches got the same. These kids still believe in what we're doing. Um, so that that has not changed. But yeah, does it does it change? You trying to get bowl eligible? Hell yeah, it does. Didn't he originally say pissed off? Oh, did, wow! Do we edit that? Is that? Yeah, we edited it. All right, all right, cool. It's the dance mix. <laughs> You're a rebel. Dude. All right. Um, today on the uh, Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame, we'll do some rock and research with the voice of the Horn Frogs, Brian Estridge. Also, former Red Raider quarterback Henry Columbia will join us discussing the role of a backup quarterback. That's uh, very, This should be very insightful because Tech uh, knows a thing or two about playing backup quarterbacks, and Henry Columbia was definitely one of those guys, and uh, we'll get his thoughts about that. Uh, Jared Johnson will break down who's winning uh, recruiting between TCU and Texas Tech. Former Texas Tech Sports Information Director Chris Cook drops by with an insider's look at the Red Raiders. Jacob Harris from Inside the Red Raiders will give us Red Raider basketball 411 after uh, the win versus Texas A&M. Plus, if that weren't already more than we can pack into two hours, we'll also talk offense, defense, and get you ready for the game, of course. So we'll, uh, we'll dress you, we'll tie your shoes, you'll be all ready with your little blackout gear, and uh, it should be uh, it should be very glorious. So. That's uh, that, that's quite the list of stuff, man. It's a packed show. I should stop talking so we can get on with it. Checking the pulse of Red Raider Nation with our rock and reality check. All right, Pete, you look like you're itching to go. Am I? Let's hear it. Hey, uh, if you got a white Ford truck, it has just been towed <laughs> out of the parking lot over here. They are getting going early today. So how it's many a great white Ford defense. trucks do you think are? How many white Ford trucks? Do you oh, think my are oh my gosh! Yeah. If you ask me, the color of vehicle I hate more than anything. It's white, but everybody gets white. I got a white truck. Hate it. Oh, oh, hate oh. it. You know what else I hate, Jeff? I don't like that woman car you drive. So Ooh. how about that? Well, that's all right. But I'm just telling you, that's my feeling. I hate white. You know what else I hate? Thursday games. Hate them. Hate them. However, that's where we're at tonight. Uh, and I, I want to see up. some improvement. <laughs> yeah. I want to see some improvement from this team. They had the bye week. Uh, you know, uh, Baron Morton got the rest. Uh, we'll see what he can do tonight. But uh, I want to see some improvement from this team. And that, you know, I didn't put 10 scoops of sugar in my Kool-Aid at the beginning of this season. Uh, I want—I mean, I think this is still a good team. And so they've had some setbacks. Uh, they can still fight for a, a bowl game. So... You got to win at home. Ten years ago, 2013, you played TCU, was ranked 24th on a Thursday, and, and you got a big win. And it was a backup coming in and getting it done. Uh, Baker Mayfield got hurt. Davis Webb came in through a TD pass uh, to Bradley Marquez, and they, they won 20 to 10. So uh, I just want to see improvement. Uh, of course, 
uh, you know, tech football is a little kind of secondary because uh, what happened last night, something I, probably none of us thought we'd ever see in our lifetime, uh, the Texas Rangers winning the World Series. It Hell was yes. unbelievable. And uh, super pumped for Josh Young, first full year in the majors, and uh, he's a World Series champ. Incredible. And then, you know, of course, it's been a great year with the Super Bowl and uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes. You know, from here, it's possible. <laughs> and so wow. from here, it is possible tonight to get a win. It's a blackout. It's going to be a fun night, even though it's a Thursday. Um, I, I just want to see improvement. I mean, it, I, I, you got to win this one. If not, you, I, I don't see them winning the last three. And then it, it's a complete nightmare. Yeah. And so uh, I know this team's better than they played. They know they're better than they're played. Everybody's pissed off. I got to say it too. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can get a win tonight. Well, I think uh, real quick here, I'll, I'll just say, I don't think this team's very good. Yeah. And I think that's why they, they're where they're at. So yeah. for whatever reason, you know, they expect to be a lot better, but this deep into the season, they're just not very good. So there's my rock and reality check. <laughs> Jared? Yeah. You both sound pissed off. I have to admit, I'm not. Uh, I, halfway through the BYU game, I think it just kind of hit me. Like, this is what this team is, kind of what Jeff is saying. You know, like, uh, seems not very good. Tyler Shuck, Baron Morton, Jake Strong, the team has struggled. Um, we were way wrong. I think the last six years I got actually predicted before the season the – the correct win total this year, I'm going to be off by at least four or five games. You were right the last five? Like five or six. That's yeah. outstanding. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Until this year happened. Yeah. And I was way wrong. You know, <laughs> Thank very, you this very, year. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, by a lot. You know, it's one thing to be off by a game or two, right. but uh, I mean, the max they could get is six uh, or seven victories. Math is hard. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do think there is reason for optimism in the future. I don't want to sound too much like a cheerleader, but I mean, really good uh, recruiting class right now, really good uh, last recruiting cycle, and they even got a commit for the 2025 class earlier today, a three-star receiver, Isaiah Anderson out of Wichita Falls uh, City View High School. So I don't honestly don't know a whole lot about him other than Texas Tech offered him in September. And uh, he's, I think he's protects his own only offer, but it's a James Blanchard special, and James Blanchard seems to know what he's doing very much so. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of recruiting and player evaluation, so you know they have two commits already for the 2025 class. They have the top uh, class in the Big 12 for the 2024 class, and then you know another thing that came out recently uh, is the. Uh, the matrix, the Big 12 schedule matrix, and a lot of people seem, well we know this, people are going to complain no matter what right? I mean that's just kind of the way way of the world. People complain? People complain. Coach Prime's coming! Yeah, and people... That's exciting in Cincinnati. I think it's exciting and people are saying, oh it's not that great of a schedule, you know, Colorado's been the highest viewed program pretty much throughout the year since Coach Prime's been there. They're coming next year. Arizona State, Baylor, West Virginia, Cincinnati, all going to be here. Uh, obviously, no Texas and Oklahoma, and that's a big hit in terms of, of fans. But we, we knew that already. Tech's also going to play at uh, Arizona, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and TCU. And that sounds like a pretty dang good schedule to but me. But you should be excited. Uh, yeah. The, the thing that people are complaining the most about is Tech not having a protected rival. Uh, uh, I see. But... I would argue, does Texas Tech really have a rival in, in the new Big 12? I mean, TCU tonight, how many people are fired up about Let's be honest. What about Houston? What about them? That's not a rival. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Texas like, and Texas A&M are the only rivals Tech has and ever had. Re- and they're both and really, young, to so. me, it was really A&M. Like, as soon as A&M left, Tech's top rival. Don't get me wrong. I know people love to beat Texas. 
But in the grand scheme of things, in terms of like a, a true hate, hateful rivalry, it was A&M. So that ship sailed a long time ago. I am excited about the new schedule, about the new Big 12, the breath of fresh air. You know, it, it's got kind of it gotten kind of stagnant, even with Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. I, I think that's part of the reason why they left. Uh, and so I think the big thing for me in terms of all this was for Texas Tech that the Big 12 did expand. It is still viable. There, thereby, Texas Tech is still viable in, in the national landscape. Now, they got to start winning. You know, they were hoping that this season was going to be that kind of like announcement, big-time announcement nationally, and it didn't happen. But, again, recruiting looks good. I like the schedule matrix. I'm not going to list off all the games for the next four years. But you do play Baylor and TCU, uh, both of them, three of the next four years. So it's not like you're not going to play those guys. And you play Houston a couple of the years. And West so, Virginia's in there several times. West Virginia's times, yeah. in there several times. Oklahoma State. I mean, you're still playing the Big 12 schools mixed in with the new schools coming over from the Pac-12. I personally like it. Yeah, I, I've got mixed feelings about it. I, I find myself looking at it. My first initial reaction, as you could imagine, was, <laughs> eh. yeah. But, but the one thing, too, is... You know, when it talks about rivals, I mean, yeah, now if you had to look at it and pick who the rivals are, yeah, you'd probably have to say TCU, Baylor, maybe Oklahoma State, but they're not the same level. They're just like, okay, teams you played a lot over the years. There's been some good games. Okay. You got the whole cactus thing, the desert, and that right, whole deal with right. TCU. That can kind of light a fire under people. But the thing is, it's going to take – it's just going to take so, so long to really – Develop actual new rivalries, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. especially when you got a, such a big conference where you can't play everybody every year, and you know, it's just it takes forever for that history really to build up to where you feel like you've even got a but, reason to hate a team like but Cincinnati or something. Yeah, you know, Cincinnati, or UCF, Utah. You know? Is that ever going to work? I mean, right. how's that going to build? That's what up? I wonder. But yeah. I mean, I like the fresh, you know, the fresh. I like right. the four uh, Pac-12 teams that are yeah. coming in. I think that's cool. I mean, I am. I'm somewhat excited about that. But at the end of the day, I find myself, it's like, hey, this is neat. But deep down, I'm going, yeah, but man, I sure miss the, the good old days. I mean, it's just college football is just changing. All the great rivalries are being destroyed with conference moves and, and yeah. all. And it's just, I love college football so much. It's my favorite sport, and I love it so much. And I just feel like it's, you know, I won't say they're ruining it, but it just, it, it, it just makes it difficult sometimes to get super excited about it i think so. which teams would you like to have back if you could bring back teams from southwest conference texas or a&m ou texas rice arkansas rice. i mean rice. You know, yeah no but but I, I but yeah the, just yeah. The, all the all the best teams that left the conference i mean you know why wouldn't you want any of them back but it'll never happen but it's fun to think about isn't it so uh anyway but uh but yeah it's a it's a new era and it'll it'll just take a while to form some some uh some hate for some of those teams right. and maybe there may be a surprise uh rivalry that springs up over the next four or five years that you weren't expecting there may be a, a heated texas tech ucf battle that is, <laughs> is unreal that we're all going to be going man i never saw that coming just hate everyone that's yeah, right I, that, yeah, yeah really that's advice. yeah Good yeah, old-fashioned sports hate. No yeah. kidding. That's that's the way it ought to be right and there. And win. What they need to do is quit worrying about Just win. You know who to hate and who the rival is. They need to win some games right. and become relevant. And then let's talk about who yeah. they stack up against. You know what I mean? It's hard, to ha- it's hard to hate Tech right now if you're another team 
because you, you build a beat tech almost every I don't know. year. I have a lot of friends or people associated with TCU coming from the Metroplex and all that, and uh, they don't have a problem hating Texas Tech and vice versa. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Do you have something, Pete, or were you done? Do you have oh, you want to no, add I was there? just going to say, too, uh, Texas Tech announced this afternoon that uh, Centennial Champion not going to run again, but they'll have a stand-in horse for the Master oh, Rider today. Boy. So just stand-in uh, horse. Somebody said, oh, is it Cody coming out of retirement? Backup, the backup horse. Uh, well, who's the backup even horse? The, even the horse is <laughs> injured this year. That's yeah, when's the last year we got to through a season with the starting <laughs> horse? You know what, too? That, Jeff, I just, it's the Patrick Mahomes era. So, so. <laughs> we, we get these game notes all week, and it's Red Raiders by the number. And uh, I said, oh, here, let's see what some good stats are. Number the number one, Texas Tech is the only FBS school in the country to utilize three different starting quarterbacks each of the last two seasons. Is that? Yeah, take that, everybody yeah. else. Yeah. <laughs> it is no, what it is. That's sad. It's, it's crazy, the, though. However, it? as we joke and we're pissed off, I'm still all for Texas Tech. I mean, I live in this community. I just cannot believe the people who hide behind the keyboard and say just horrific things. That is not being a fan. You can be pissed off, but... Some of the stuff crosses the line. How I many times they get like too personal? If you're yeah, talking some about of it, performance, yeah. But you can I, be I pissed off, and you yeah. should. And I'm, I'm, I don't like saying that word anymore, the P word. But you know what I'm saying. Well, that, whoa, that sounds even worse. The one stat that came better, out. Or better, depending what on how you look yeah, at right, it. What, yeah. <laughs> what was his name again? I could never remember. That was Warren for his forms. What was it? The Slim Hot Pete? Or what was your name? I can't remember. Playboy Pete. There it is. Yeah. I will just tell you. No, I'm not going to tell you. Never mind. The, oh, the, great. One, the one fact that but, I, I'd like to get broken in the next couple of years is that Texas you Tech go, has never... you going never, back serious right now? I'm going back okay. serious. All right. Texas Tech is one of five schools yeah. that have never been in the CFP Top 25. All right. Yeah, well, that's true. Five power, five schools. Jeez. All right. Well, uh, we come we come back here. We'll have Whoa, some more. I was in a good mood before I walked up to him. Coming up, we'll have a whole segment of happy stats. <laughs> no, coming up next. Actually, this is about this is pretty close to happy stats, I guess, really, is uh, inside the Red Raiders recruiting. Uh, Jarrett's uh, got a breakdown comparing TCU and Texas Tech recruiting over the last five years. I've really enjoyed this. this really good job. This really this good year. job. It's, yeah, this is really interesting. So, uh, so we got that coming. Coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Live outside Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Inside the Red Raiders football recruiting with 24-7 Sports, Jared Johnson. All right. Yeah, this is uh, one, of the, one of my favorite segments Jared has been this season. If you listen to the Rock and Pregame, uh, he always takes a Tech's opponent and goes over kind of the last five years of uh, recruiting against each other and how they compare. So obviously with TCU being the opponent tonight over the last five years, how does Tech compare with TCU? Well, actually, TCU, uh, you know, they've won a lot more games here recently. They've recruited better. Um, it's interesting. You look back, and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but three or four years ago, and TCU did really good in the high school ranks. But here recently, under Sonny Dykes, it's been through the transfer portal where they've really, I mean, like, if you look at it, half of their starters come from, and you could say the same for Tech, to be honest, but come from the transfer portal. I, you know, you see that with a school like Tech trying to build up and fill some roster holes. But a team like TCU that went to the national championship game last year, you would think it would be more about through the high school ranks, kind of right. like at Alabama or Georgia. And don't get me wrong, those two teams, and I'm not saying TCU is on their level. I'm just saying, I mean, they've won a lot of games. They went right, to the national right. championship game last year. 
and they're still hitting the transfer portal hard. That's kind of surprises me. You know, I always I'll, look for some kind of surprise because uh, I think recruiting is the most honest reflection of the current state of a program. Right. I really believe that. Now, I'd say it's funny to think about how even though TCU played in the national championship game, they were so terrible and got beat so bad. Yeah, you got to wonder. I, I would almost wonder what, what that, that pitch is like when you go in to talk to a recruit and, and you go, hey, we played the national championship. So he probably goes, yeah, I watched that. That was hilarious. I mean, you know, I don't know that you get a whole lot of great uh, I find it, there. I do find it interesting that they went to the Big 12 champ- championship game, but didn't win. They went to the national championship game, but didn't win. Now, Texas Tech would have taken that season. Don't get me wrong. Right. Uh, glass houses and all that. But it's weird that they had all that success, and they don't have like a, like a you know, championship banner or, or whatever, a trophy to speak for it. Right. That, that's, that is it's weird, weird right? It? Yeah. That, I mean, they did win strange, the semifinal yeah. game. I don't know if they give trophies for that. But, I mean, again, it's going to come with an asterisk because of that whipping they took. Uh, I guess a great Georgia team, let's be honest, but still. All right, so let's go back to the 2019 class. You know, Texas Tech was ranked uh, 62nd in high school, 42nd in transfer, 65th overall, and 8th in terms of high school recruiting in the Big 12, while TCU, much better. 30th in high school, the 24th transfer class, uh, and then 31st overall, those two combined. Third in the Big 12 behind only OU and Texas. And as I go through these lists, you'll see that a lot where it's Texas or OU and they're switching. Generally, it's Texas, but sometimes it's Oklahoma and then TCU, uh, you know, especially the, the first three classes. And then the rest of the Big 12, whether it be a Baylor or Oklahoma, not really not Oklahoma State, but uh, who would be uh, West Virginia has been up there some, but uh, TCU has been right up there. For example, uh, in the 2020 class, they ranked 23rd in terms of high school recruiting, 23rd with the transfer class, and then 23rd overall uh, in the country combined, third in the Big 12 again. So, you know, several guys from from those two classes are still uh, making plays for them or playing big roles. Starting offensive lineman Andrew Coker, safety Nook Bradford, one of their, their top tacklers. Um, Sabian Williams, a receiver, seems like he's been there forever. Uh, <laughs> linebacker Jamoy Hodge is an interesting guy. Watch for him. Uh, safety Bud Clark, and then another starting offensive lineman, Brandon Coleman. All those guys are still starting, playing big roles from way back from 2019 and 2020, those classes. Uh, moving ahead to, to 2021, this, again, is, you kind of see it them, them shift in terms of from high school to transfer. They were 54th in, in, high, in terms of high school recruiting, 13th in the, in the country with their transfer class, 44th overall. They had the sixth high school recruiting class in the Big 12 in the 2021 class. Um, and there's not a lot of notable guys expected to play today from that class. So you have, you have 20, uh, 20, 2021, and then you have to look at 2022 20, uh, and 2023 in terms of a ton of transfers for TCU and some high school guys mixed in. Uh, go, jumping to 2022, again, TCU's high school class 45th and then 11th in terms of transfer. So a big switch. And you have, man, you get Josh Hoover, their quarterback tonight, Major Everhart, which was a recruiting, a big recruiting loss for Texas Tech. TCU won out on him. Uh, he, he's a kind of receiver, running back hybrid, really plays inside receiver for them and a punt returner, kick returner out of Amarillo, Tascosa. That's somebody that Texas Tech, uh, Coach Wells especially, was really who, who recruited. They recruited him really hard, and it was, it was down to Tech and TCU, and he chose TCU, and he's already making plays for them. But you have... Uh, 
Imani Bailey, their leading running back, who was right on par with Taj Brooks in terms of production. Uh, he was a transfer, I think, from Alabama, actually. Tied in Jared Wiley, one of their top targets. Another transfer who came in. And then a couple of starters in their secondary who transferred in, Mark Perry and uh, safety Mark Perry and cornerback Josh Newton. So a lot of guys to the transfer portal. And then finally, the 2023 class, man, just a, a ton of, of guys. And they actually... Uh, almost all are, are transfers that, that we're seeing, which makes sense, right? Not a lot of true freshmen uh, playing across the country, but running back Trey Sanders, really their second option at running back. John Paul Richardson, their leading receiver, another transfer, I think from Oklahoma State, actually. Uh, Warren Thompson, another one of their top wide receivers. Two starting offensive linemen and a starting corner. All they got through the transfer portal. Golly. Th- just in the 2023 class. Wow. Which is, right, like... Our, isn't that surprising that, that TCU had to do that? Uh-oh. Somebody didn't. Man, that's the LISD cop, man. Uh-oh. You don't see those guys do that very often. Huh. I wonder if he's really going somewhere or if he just wanted to get everybody out of the way. Man, I don't know. He's flying. Dang. All right. Anyway. Yeah, but uh, to me, again, the question just comes back up. Why are they having to go to the transfer portal so hard, given, you know, their success and uh, recent success? Yeah, that, that's, that is that's fascinating. Is it just a difference in philosophy there, what they're trying to do, or is it a necessity because they're, for whatever reason, high school recruiting is it, just not there? Maybe. That's well, weird, yeah. Well, you, like, we just went over those classes, too, and a lot of them were high, like the ones two, three, four years ago. Yeah. So, but the coaching change, maybe they wanted to get their guys, but they didn't want to wait for a couple years. Did they have a, do you know, I and mean, this is probably a pretty deep question, <laughs> you may not have the information right in front of you, but even those uh, really good classes they had early on there, once Patterson left and, yeah. and all, I mean, did a lot of, are most of those guys still on the team or did they transfer? Well, uh, and going back to that 2021 class, I could really only find one guy who, and that's uh, Shad Banks, a linebacker, who's pretty, he's a pretty good player, but that's the only guy I could find making a significant impact from yeah, that entire okay. 2022 wow. t- or 2021 class, excuse me. So that kind of tells you like, well, they must have missed or just yeah. with the coaching change and all that, you yeah. know, um, I don't. I don't cover TCU like I do Texas Tech, so right, I don't right. know. I have all those those answers, but that is just in the stats, looking at the numbers, something that's that stood like maybe there's a correlation there. Yeah, no, that that's you answered it. That was good. Did one guy that you has made a significant contribution out of those. That's interesting. And that's in the middle. You know, we're not talking about like the 2019 class from years ago. Yeah. We're talking about just from three years ago, right, you know, right. or two or three years ago. That's those guys should be some of your top players like that should be the bedrock of your team have you been surprised with the uh tcu's drop off this year so far well i knew because of the quarterback leaving you know which they they had chad moore starting the season last year so right. well i can't remember his name right now i could see max duggan, max duggan yeah. i mean that guy was a stud you yeah. know he really he's a perfect he in a lot of ways, he reminded me of Tim Tebow in terms of a physical runner, kind of challenged in terms of as a, as a thrower, as a passer, yeah. but could get the job done in college and, uh, you know, was was a gamer, really tough guy. So I knew, knew losing him. They lost some other guys that were really important. But uh, I think it's really interesting, though. We, talk, we talked in the opening segment about rivals uh, and... Would, could TCU and Texas Tech develop more of a rivalry moving forward in the new Big 12? Well, in terms of recruiting, we actually asked Coach McGuire earlier 
uh, and give, give Sean some time to set up this quote, but first I'll give you the stats. Texas Tech, uh, in terms of high school recruiting with the 2024 class, those are high school seniors right now, they're 23rd nationally and first in the new Big 12, and that includes all the new schools. TCU's 34th nationally and third. So, And they're recruiting a lot of the same guys. I asked Coach McGuire on Monday about the importance of games like tonight in terms of on the recruiting trail. No, it does. I mean, if you look, especially um, with, with uh, TCU, I mean, they, they've done a phenomenal job uh, recruiting, um, you know, and, and I think when you talk about head-to-head battles, um, we have a lot uh, with them. We'll continue. Um, I think uh, kind of a combination is the we're kind of recruiting the sta- same uh, kid, but also the same style. I mean, they're one of the – I thought last year they were the fastest team that we played um, all year long. And so uh, with us trying to become a faster team, uh, I think we end up recruiting a lot of the same guys. There you go. Yeah. You know, so that's not going to slow down with, you know, with the new Big 12. I think those – Two staffs, and that's where you get all the cactus stuff and all the smack talk and the frustration and the because of the competition on the recruiting trail between right. the personnel departments, which really was coming from I think guys that are no longer there, but the dude that went to Arizona State. Oh yeah, that was the head of their. I don't. I'm not gonna remember his name, his name now, yeah. but and it doesn't really matter to be honest. But he started with the whole, you know, go find, have fun in the desert, desert kind right. of thing, you know, kind of caddy talk. But uh, anyways, that. The competition on the recruiting trail is, is really strong and has been for, you know, since, really since TCU joined the Big 12, and I, I think it's only going to intensify. Yeah. And that, and like I said, that, that is the kind of stuff there that does start fueling future rivalries yeah. to where maybe someday this this could be a rivalry that would be on par with something that, you know, Tech traditionally had all those years like A&M or something. It's going to be tough to ever top right, that, I think. Yeah. But uh, it could it could it could develop could into something. Right. You know, right. more. I think the cactus thing was uh, a good start. Right. I think some of the smack talk, you know. Yeah. Uh, but Tech needs uh, TCU's one four in a row. Yeah. Tech needs to get, you know, right. Needs to do their part. They need to start winning some games and uh, for there to be some more bad blood. I think. Yeah. Well, the Battle of the Saddle tonight. Battle of the so, Saddle. So, yeah, they've had that right. saddle for four years now. So, yeah. One more thing I want to mention yeah. is not just high school recruits, but transfers. Because we think of, like, obviously, Tech recruits heavily in the in the Metroplex. And, you know, they're going to battle for Texas high school football recruits. But transfers who have gone out to USC, Alabama, whatever, all across the country that want to come back home, TCU and Texas Tech, I mean, not just because they're both still Power Five schools, but because of where they are geographically. Yeah. I mean, look look for that to continue as well yeah. for transfers looking to come back to Texas. All right. Yeah. That's the the transfer thing. I think starting to get used to it now. You know, yeah. it is. It's part of the part of the game. Of all the changes that have happened to college football, the the transfer portal probably has been the easiest one for me to digest and embrace. It's, when you're talking about NIL and realignment and, you know, transfers, all that stuff. I, people like talking about it. Yeah. It's like, well, I've noticed, like, the activity, like, on the board and on social media, like, people, yeah. I mean, people get fired up for the transfer portal almost as much as they do as the high school recruiting. Yeah, it's like, uh, to me, it's sort of like baseball free agency, yeah. which, to me, baseball free agency was always the most exciting free agency yeah. uh, than compared to the other major sports. But, uh, but yeah, it is. It's kind of like that. You start seeing the guys that are available, you know, mm-hmm. and, oh, man, that guy would be great. Uh, maybe we get this guy, you know, so... So yeah, it's definitely uh, become part of the part of the game for sure. All right, we come back here. We've got former Red Raider Sports Information Director Chris Cook standing by. 
not in our green room because we don't really have one out, outdoors here, but if we had a green room, Chris Cook would be in it right now. But he joins us uh, coming up next here to talk about life as a sports information director for the Red Raiders under Mike Leach uh, from 99 to 2010. So let's uh, get ready to hear some, uh, some, probably some cool stories and stuff. So uh, that is coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame live outside Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Checking the Big 12's schedule for this week. Of course, uh, just one game tonight. It is the Red Raiders hosting TCU, 6 o'clock. The game is on FS1. It's a blackout. Tech favored by two and a half. Saturday kicks off Big 12 action with Kansas State ranked 23rd at number 7 Texas. That's an 11 a.m. game. Houston goes to Baylor at 2.30. Central Florida and Cincinnati, two of the new kids on the block meeting, 2.30 Saturday. Bedlam, Oklahoma ranked 9th. Oklahoma State 22nd. They'll play 2.30 on Saturday. Kansas ranked 21st. Now 6-2. They are at 5-3 Iowa State. That is a 6 o'clock game Saturday. And then BYU making the trip out to Morgantown and West Virginia. Both teams 5-3. and three. They will kick at 6 o'clock. That is your Big 12 schedule scoreboard. The Rockin' Interview. All right, we're excited to have with us today former Red Raider Sports Information Director Chris Cook. And uh, I'm sure uh, all kinds of fun stuff we get into today. Thanks for being here today, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a nice day today. Some good football weather looks like for tonight. This so perfect. Yeah. This is perfect. Well, Chris, first off, uh, you know, uh, college football lost a great man and Mike Leach. And yeah. I know you got to work with him for so many years. So just what was that like? Um, <laughs> you know, no day was the same, or no story was the same, but the days were, were very similar. You, you knew something interesting was going to happen, and, you know, everything from, uh, I mean, just pouring coffee on a pile of ants and calling them supercharged, and um, to, you know, wanting Ball State on the schedule because their coach didn't vote us in the final poll of the year. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard that. He told Tommy McVeigh, get them on the schedule next year in Muncie, We'll travel, we'll spot them two touchdowns, and we'll kick their rears. And he was dead. If Tommy could have pulled it off, Mike would have said, great, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Wow. So, that, you know, those just things like that, and there's a lot of it, a lot of them. Well, and, uh, talk, you know, obviously the media policies have changed over years, but what was that like, uh, you know, handling the media with Mike Leach? So up until the Nebraska game in 2004, and that's when we beat them by 60, now, Nebraska wasn't at their peak at that time, but nonetheless, you don't beat Nebraska by 60 and it go unnoticed. And so that really was one of those games that put the program, um, another uh, mapped program, I mean, another uh, game put you on the map. And uh, so we had a bye week, and the next game was Texas at home. And I remember that press conference, one of the players was asked, can Texas beat you at home? And, of course, I perked up and what the answer was going to be. And the player said, no, Texas can't beat us here. And he paused, but then he said, if we do these things, well, what do you think made the news? And this was a state paper. It wasn't here in Lubbock. What do you think made the paper? The first part. The first part. Yeah. So, uh, so Mike wasn't happy about that when he saw it printed and somebody showed it to him. And we proceeded to lose by 30, I think, to UT. So he came to me and he said, here's our media plan for the rest of the year. 
Uh, there'll be no players on Monday uh, unless I pick them and, you know, we end up getting some walk-ons. No offense, those guys work their tails off, but that's not who the media wanted. And in post-game, we could get the players we wanted. So it's very difficult. At that time, Kansas State and Bill Snyder were notorious for the most uh, tight media schedule in the country. We topped it. Mike topped it. And what made it worse, it was a good thing and a bad thing, is we went, I think, 5-1 and one the rest of the year. The only loss was in overtime, I think, at A&M. And we beat Cal in the bowl game. So Mike's like, hell, that worked. We're gonna keep. <laughs> we're gonna keep this in place. So that was our me. That was our media policy until he until the end of the 2009 season. Well, and uh, you know, I just saw too. He's uh, uh, getting put into the uh, Texas Sports Absolutely, Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that's good to see as well. That's great. So, well, it's happy to see that. And you know, the other thing there is is he gets one latch jab at the Longhorns because Colt McCoy is going to get inducted the same night. And you know what video is going to play from Leach Highlights. It's going to be oh, yeah. that touchdown. Yeah, so I know they might pull Colt out of that video, but that's uh, uh, that will be Mike's one last jab at, at, the, at the Longhorns. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, you know. It's, I think actually, yeah, because you you would work. Dowdy came up under you, right? So uh, yeah. now you know his, he's kind of got a, a different beast uh, nowadays with with the media and all that stuff. You know, the, it's yeah. so different now, and it's 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 funny how not long after I left, uh, really social media, right, and all the creativity that you see now around it just blew up across the country. And Texas Tech now, I'm telling you. I, I follow a lot of schools, a lot of programs, a lot of athletic departments. They do it as, and that's not, yeah, it sounds biased, but they really do it as well as anybody. And that's Matt, the social media team, Giovanetti, David Hoagland, all those guys in marketing, they are absolutely killing it on social media content. I mean, it's, it, it gets you fired up. Chris Cook with us today on the Rockin' Pregame. Our text line, if you got a question, uh, you can text it to 806-900-1011. That's 806-900-1011. And we have a question from Macy who says, uh, Sean, please ask Mr. Cook what his favorite Taylor Swift song is. Thanks, Macy. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> oh, that figures. That figures she did. Let's see. I, you know... Is from the vault a song or is that an album? Hey, you're looking at the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just go oh, and shake man. it off. That's I'm the only one I know. That's going to be Taylor's a, version, right? right? Taylor's version? Oh, yeah, not the, the original version. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I can count on, count on Macy to, put, to stump me like that. <laughs> <laughs> that your, that's the first ever Taylor Swift question on the show, though, by the should way. should be the last. So, yeah, well, we'll see. What's your favorite moment in memory for Mike? Oh, man, you know, that, that there's so many. It's easy to say uh, 15 years ago yesterday. I mean, that is hard to beat, yeah. being on the field when that happened. And, um, uh, you know, I, that, that's a tough question. I, that's got to be it. I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to, um, to top that. But there were so many moments, you know, the Robert Johnson grab in the end zone at A&M in mean, yeah. 06 that, I mean, Graham, that was just an amazing on-the-money throw. Uh, and I was standing down there for that. It's just incredible. And so there were so many moments like that, the Welker punt return. A lot of them involve A&M. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of good people, worked with a lot of great student-athletes. Um, man, those quarterbacks we had during that run, were a lot of fun to work with. Sonny Cumbie's one of my favorite people, yeah. and he's over at my alma mater at La Tech. 
uh, running the show, and I know he's going to get it going there. So uh, that that I'd have to say the 08. That's what everybody says, but I've got to say that. Yeah. Hey, I, you know, I was thinking about the social media. I remember the 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 Daigie thing. Call me Daigie. Were, were you here for that? Wasn't that? <laughs> I you? think that was right after was me. It after I was, you? I, was, I just thought of that. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty I, clever too. It was very clever. I, I'm still not sure what that is, but. Hey, what about what about that bowl game where Tech was down by 31 and they uh, came back? So that's the night, and I'm not kidding. Blaine Beal and yeah. I sat in the press box because we were getting our behinds kicked yeah. in the third quarter. And Blaine and I were sitting in the press box hitting refresh on CNN website because that's the night that uh, um, Saddam Hussein was executed. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so not, wow. To, not okay. to cast a dark shadow yeah. over that, but that was obviously, man, we're just hitting refresh. We looked up, hey, Blaine, we're coming back. Um, and so we <laughs> focused on the game. That's crazy. And, uh, but it was an absolutely, that was a, I'm glad you brought that up, an amazing moment to see that yeah. we're like, no way this is going to, this is about to happen. And it did. But a, a story kind of related to that is we, I would never forget when I'm, and I'm going to say this, he's, I'm sure he's not listening because he's on the West East Coast, but Kevin Blackystone, when he was writing for the Dallas Morning News, I'll never forget there were a handful of times he and Brian Davis are sitting down there covering us. They've got their leads written because we're getting beaten late in the third or early in the fourth, and we come back. And they both just kind of, Kevin, I'll never forget the look on his face. We just turn around with that just haughty look of derision, just like, <laughs> how dare you guys, man? I had this thing written. And, uh, but that was, those, were, those were fun moments to, to do that to the, to the press. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I got to be, I, mean, I, I think Tech is 11-3 and three in bowl games I've been at. It was 10-4, awesome. but yep. that, that LSU loss, it's not really a win for Tech, but they had to just uh, That's right. take, That's lose right. it. But, man, yeah. just, yeah, a lot of great bowl games over the years. The, uh, uh, man, the, the, what was that, the Gator Bowl? What was it when, when Cliff Kingsbury got up? It's and, a tangerine, oh, tangerine, tangerine it was, with Clemson. Yeah, so um, how do you, I mean, now you're back at Tech now. Tell everybody what you're doing now. So I'm the assistant dean for enrollment management and marketing in the College of Media and Communication. I'm also a professor of practice in public relations. So I'd always thought, I've been teaching since 2011, uh, on and off, but I always thought that'd be something I would do one day. And uh, that call came uh, this year, earlier this year. And man, it's just, it's very rewarding. Absolutely teaching kids. And, and, I, and, I, and I really applaud those folks that are teaching at the grade school level, uh, what they do. But I absolutely love engaging with students and, and just sharing my experiences and lessons that hopefully they can glean from that. Not make the same mistakes I did, go make their own. And uh, But I really enjoy that. It's very, very rewarding and fulfilling. You yeah. ever run into my buddy Todd Chambers over there? Todd, it, it, you know, every time you turn around, Todd Chambers is there. It's, uh, <laughs> I think there are several of them, but Todd Chambers is a legend. He is a legend, he's that's the, right. He's, yeah. the ne- he's the Bill Dean 2.0 in that college. I knew Todd uh, back when we both still had hair. Yeah. DJ, fact. yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Hey, so you started at SID in '99, yeah. and just you know, Tech just hit 100 years, uh, and they've done such a great job with that. I went to the fair and yeah. saw the great mm-hmm. exhibit. But from '99 to now, can you just talk about the growth you've seen at the university? You know, uh, and and you're going to relate to that, Pete. You'll know this. You guys will know this. When I got here, we had that press box up there that was. A, a mere shadow of what we have today. <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, it, it was not air conditioned. You open the doors on each end to get that breeze, and uh, you know, just from facilities, it's yeah. obvious. If yeah. you were here then, it, it is night and day. And this is a first class program. It is big time, and there's a lot of work by Gerald Myers, Kirby Hocutt, the ads that uh, have been there since I've been here, and 
uh, just done an amazing job getting those things done. But the programs, the quality of coaches that are being hired, the, the amenities for student athletes that they're given outside of facilities, uh, the support, this area we're standing in. You know, it's not. It used to not be a game day place, <laughs> right. and and now you've got it. Just the the city, the developers, people that have come on campus and done things and done things off. It, it, the the growth. I would challenge any university in the country to experience the growth that we've had from a standpoint of these facilities and the and the the types of student athletes we're bringing in now. All right, another question off our text line, which is 806-900-1011. Anthony wants to know how has Texas Tech changed for the better and the worst since you were here, and why do you love this school so much? Uh, you know, I've uh, I, I, I got a I didn't get an undergrad here. I got a master's degree here um, after I started working for a few years. I've lived most of my life in Lubbock now, uh, 24 years, coming on 25, and. Um, you know, let's start with Lubbock. Grows on you quick, and you know, we, my wife and I moved here. She said, "All right, what's the next destination?" Right here, and about two years in, when we were locked, we were locked down, and um, the, but Lubbock helped do that. Tech helped do that. I think it's been the commitment to the growth of the institution, not just from an athletic standpoint. We can look at that all day, but academically, the strength of our student body, the um, the quality of programs, the type of research that's being done here is first class research. I mean, you know, you 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 may not just for example, and this was done back in the mid 2000s when the EF scale came about for tornadoes. That's developed here on our campus by Dr. Kishore Mehta, and it's it's research like that that affects the human condition that really makes this place special when you see it from the academic side, which I had the opportunity to do in administration. And uh, it just makes you proud. It makes you proud from top to bottom how proud people are, how um, in, in good and bad, the people still show up. They're yeah. still there for, for Texas Tech. And, and, you know, what's something worse? I really don't know of anything that's bad. I just think everything has continually gotten better. And that's just tremendous leadership over the years in athletics and in academics. All right. Well, it's uh, former uh, Red Raider Sports Information Director Chris Cook joining us today on the Rock and Pregame, and uh, great stories. We appreciate uh, appreciate you dropping Thank by you. today. So. And let's just get your thoughts on this game tonight. I mean, uh, blackout TCU night game Thursday. You, know, you always want a night game, <laughs> and uh, no, it's a, it's a Red Raider win, man. It's uh, I feel good. I. I think these guys, nobody wants to win more than those guys in the locker room, those coaches, and they take, a, they take some grief at times. But, yeah, that's what fans, that's what we do. And, but um, I got faith in them, man, and it's, uh, I look forward to the game tonight. I think they're going to show up and they're, they're going to play lights out. Awesome. All right. Well, coming up next year, we've got the voice of the Horned Frogs, Brian Etheridge, joining us to talk football, basketball, and more here on the Red Raider Outfitter, rocking pregame live outside Red Raider Outfitter, across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Voices of the Big 12. All right, uh, we've got uh, with us now Brian Estridge. He is the voice of the uh, TCU Horned Frogs in town for tonight's game. We always like to do some rocking research and uh, get uh, get a sense of things and, you know, learn a little bit about the opponent. Horned Frogs are winners of the last four of the series, including a 34-26 nail-biter in Fort Worth last year. And... Uh, the voice of the TCU TCU Horn Frogs. Welcome back, Brian Estridge, to the Rock and Pregame. Good to have you, man. Good to be here. Good to be with you. 
Good to be in Lubbock, man. I, I love this place. I really do. I love coming out to West Texas. Well, we, we enjoy uh, enjoy uh, having you here. We'd like it a lot more if, uh, you know, TC would lose. But just saying, just throwing that out there, you know, the personal. But, you know, both these teams are in the back half of the Big 12 standings when they were expected to, you know, challenge for the conference. Both teams have been hurt by the loss of quarterbacks. How has the loss of Chandler Morris affected the Frogs, and what does uh, Josh Hoover have to do to make an impact? We don't know yet the impact of Chandler Morris. I think it depends because we've seen two different sides of, uh, of Josh Hoover. We've seen him be really good in the game against uh, BYU, I guess it was, and we saw him be really bad uh, in the last outing against Kansas State. So I, I think somewhere in the middle is what Josh Hoover is, and if, he, if he's somewhere in the middle, then this TCU team should be okay because it is more than just a quarterback here. And, and I, I think that's what Sonny Dykes has been saying, that you know when you ask the question, what does Josh Hoover have to do, I think I think Josh Hoover's just got to play winning football. I think he's got to take care of the football. I think he's got to get the the ball into playmakers' hands. I don't think it's got to be all Josh Hoover. I think he he's got to be um, a complimentary player uh, to everyone else who's complimentary around him. And I, I think that's what TCU hasn't had. They haven't had that uh, cohesion. They haven't had you know that complimentary football when they have. They've been successful, but the consistency hasn't been there. I guess much like what Texas Tech has been going through. AL money being thrown out to athletes. How has the landscape changed in your opinion? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's changed a lot. I mean, I, I think what you don't have is you don't have program players. Uh, you don't have guys that have been in the program three and four years. You know, we saw it at Florida. Uh, they sing the national anthem after their game and they all go straight down to the corner and sing it in front of the student, uh, in front of the student body. And, uh, there were only like 10 or 12 at a game. Well, it's because the rest of those guys don't know the words. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. They don't, they don't know what they're singing for. There's no, uh, you know, there's no sense of, uh, of pride in the alma mater. And I think that's what to me is a big concern about the NIL is how, how does it affect that in the future? I, I think it's the Pendulum's got to swing back a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see, especially in this league, uh, as, as many, you know, players for hire in the future. I think you're going to see this become more of a developmental league, and I think that's a good thing. I, I think you're going to see high school players play a, a real important role here in, in many of the programs. I, I think here at Texas Tech, the way that Coach McGuire recruits, I think that the high school players are going to be important. I think at TCU, the way that Sonny Dykes develops players, high school players are going to be important. Kansas State, we know how important it is. Now, does this apply to Houston? Maybe not. Uh, does it apply to Cincinnati? Well, Sat- Satterfield's a really good coach, but you know that might be a place that has to go out and live in the portal a little bit. So, I, I think in, in that regard, it's it, you know, we're going to see the pendulum swing back a little bit. It's, you know, I, you know, I, I, I guess student athletes say that NIL is good for them. I'm, I'm still saying the jury's out on whether or not NIL is good for the sport. Well, the Red Raiders face a TCU team that has been unable to stop the run, giving up 216 yards a game in the last three games. What do they have to do to stop the Red Raiders? Yeah, I, I think they got to get some push up front, and, and that was the issue in the last outing against Kansas State. Kansas State's uh, offensive line just dominated TCU's, and, th- and they'll tell you that. I'm not, uh, I'm not breaking news with that. I, I think that they know that it was, uh, it, it was not the kind of outing that they needed to have, and so they've got to get better at that. And, uh, and and really, the problem has been on the edge. When, when folks have been able to get to the edge, whether it's been with a stretch play or the option, uh, it, it has been an issue for TCU. They haven't. Had 
had great leverage on the outside. And so I think that's got to be better here tonight uh, against Texas Tech. That's going to be really important for the Horned Frogs. Uh, uh, but I think getting Johnny Hodges, the linebacker, back for this game, you know, he's missed, what, the last four? And um, that, that, that's a real big miss for TCU. We started this conversation with you asking about Chandler Morris being out. I, I would be willing to say the, the absence of Johnny Hodges is actually bigger uh, because he was kind of the quarterback of the defense. He makes sure that everyone's in the right spot. Uh, and, and not having him out there, he, he's also a real inspirational leader. I, I think that's been a bigger impact on TCU this year. All right, we're talking with the voice of the Horned Frogs, Brian Estridge on the Rock and Pregame. Imani Bailey, former Ragin' Cajun, is averaging 106 yards a game. What makes him such an important player for the Frogs this evening? I think it's yards after contact, to be honest with you. He doesn't go down. He, he's a lot like Taj. I mean, he, he's a guy that does not go down on first contact. And I think, you know, he, he's, uh, uh, it, it's fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch a guy like that when you think that there's nothing there and all of a sudden he turns it into six or seven yards. Uh, I, I think that's really important. I, I think you're going to see a lot of him tonight. I really do. I think you're, you're going to see this offense try to develop an identity. Uh, they've been successful when they've run the football, but they've only done that between the 20s. They haven't done that in the red zone. Uh, particularly well and I, I think you're going to see this team really focus on the run game here tonight against Texas Tech and I think you're going to see a, a healthy dose of Imani Bay. Well the Horn Frogs were the cardiac kids of last year but after losing Duggan, Miller and Quentin Johnson uh, but they've reloaded. Who's the player that people should watch out for in today's game? I'd like to think that folks know about Jared Wiley, the tight end, but if they don't, they, they should. I mean, he, he's a real weapon at six foot seven. Uh, he's got great hands, runs great routes. They can split him out. They can play him in tight. Uh, he, he's a big physical player. When he walks off the bus, you go, oh, that's what an NFL player looks like. I, I think he's a guy that, it, that has, um, you know, kind of become Mr. Reliable. For Josh Hoover in the passing game, he's uh, obviously he's um, uh, you know he's got the size, but he's also got the smarts too that go along with it. He's a former quarterback at Temple, and so he would be the guy that I would circle to say, okay, uh, if Jared Wiley's having a big day, then the Frogs are having a big day. Well, basketball season is around the corner, and Jamie Dixon added a strong transfer class to the Big Twelve. How will the depth of the team help in this? bruising Big 12 conference schedule. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know how he's going to play everybody. I'll be honest with you, because it is. You're right. I mean, it's a 13-deep kind of roster. And so, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he manages those, those minutes. Uh, uh, but you talked about some of the transfers. A big man from Kansas. He's going to be a, a, a real, uh, I think he's going to be a real weapon for them as a rim protector. Uh, you get Jameer Nelson, who's a guard uh, from uh, Delaware, who I think is going to be a guy that can step in and fill the, the shoes of Mike Miles. And they got all these guys returning. You know, Emmanuel Miller uh, has uh, has been a great player in this league for many years. Preseason uh, all-conference performer this year. He, he's back, uh, along with Chuck O'Bannon, who's been in school since I was in school, it feels like. And so, uh, you know, you, you got guys that have been around with a lot of experience. And so I, I think the expectations for this team are really high. I mean, uh, they're excited. They, they've uh, they, they bonded well in the offseason. They went on a foreign trip to to uh, to Europe. They, they uh, you know, they've had some time to spend together to try to get everybody on the same uh, same page. And I know Jamie Dixon's kind of excited about that, the opportunity that this season's going to hold for. So uh, are you in favor or against the unbalanced schedule that's going to be necessary with a divisionless league? I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, I guess. I, I, I really, I, I'm going to miss a round robin. Uh, I, I think that that's what made the, the Big 12 special was the fact that you played everybody and you played them equally. And 
I, I think that's going to be one of the offshoots of this expansion that we're going to look back on and go, eh, that would have been nice to have been able to keep. But, uh, you know, it, I, I guess it is what it is. There are no rules anymore as far as how many are in a league and, and how many times you got to play them. And so, you know, I, I'm anxious to see. I mean, obviously the football schedule news is going to be, uh, you know, we got to kind of all digest that to see what that looks like because I'm, I'm afraid there's times where, we're, we, you know, we're not going to see – you know, tech for a couple of years, and I, I hate that. Uh, you know, I think that that's a, a game that should be played every year, and, and I, I'm sure tech has a few circled that they'd like to play every year as well that they're they're going to miss. And so, you know, I, I think it's just a fact of life now. We, we've uh, we've given up on some natural rivalries, we've given up on the regional rivalries, uh, but we're doing it all in the name of advancement of the of the uh, of the league, and and uh, we got to trust those who make those decisions and make a lot more money than us. How do you see the Big 12 as a conference now, and do you think the future stability is sound? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think this league isn't done, I'll be honest with you. I think, we, you know, you could hear news in Gonzaga here in the in the next weeks, you know, adding them to basketball. And then, then you sit back and you watch the ACC crumble, and you just wait for that timing to happen. And then, you know, is there a potential to add four of those teams uh, into this league, and what do those four look like? And so, you know, I, I think this league's not done. I think when, we're, uh, when we wake up here in a couple of years and it's a coast-to-coast national league uh and, and it's one of the three surviving i, I think we're going to tip our hat to uh, uh to both bob bowlsby uh and to brett yormark for for saving this league because there was a time where it was teetering we all know that and uh, uh texas tech and tcu didn't know if they're going to be playing in what was in the pac 12 or, or or in the big 12 or what were they going to be doing and so I, I think that stability that was created by both commissioners now the expansion under brett yormark has uh, has really i think put this league on a trajectory that's that this one where you got to be positive about all right this is k-o-n-e lubbock what are the keys to tonight's game I think a couple of things. Oh, we, we talked about it earlier when we were talking about Josh Hoover, and that's playing winning football. The Frogs have to protect the football. They, they've had too many turnovers. And you know how that could be. They, they haven't been able to create any. It's like when you give them all away, you don't get any back. And I, I think TCU's got to figure out a way to take the ball away from Texas Tech some and, and to protect it on that side. Yeah, they've got to be better in the red zone. You know, they've got nine turnovers in the red zone this year. That's number one in the country. And you, you just can't do that. When, you, when you've been as successful as they have at moving the football, Ball. You know, they're, uh, they're one of the uh, country's leaders in first downs, especially first downs on the ground. Uh, when it comes to explosive plays of 10-plus yards, you know, nobody does it better than TCU. Uh, the problem has been once they've gotten into the red zone, things have really kind of stumbled for them. And so I, I think that's got to be a key for them. They, when, they, when they get in the red zone, they got to walk out of there uh, with touchdowns. And I think a fast start, too, to get this crowd out of it tonight. Uh, we know everyone's going to be, um, uh, you know, sky high and jacked up for this one here tonight. And I think TCU knows that if they can get off to a fast start, they, they take the crowd out of it, and that makes things a little bit more livable here in Lubbock. Former radio star at WBAP, the pride of Appalachian State, Brian Estridge. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us for a little rock and research. Thank you, Sean. All right. Well, coming up next, we'll be joined by former Red Raider quarterback Henry Columbia discussing the difficulties of being a backup on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and pregame. That's a, a really some interesting insight here because he was kind of thrust in the same situation that, uh, you know, Baron Morton and Jake Strong have been uh, put into. So uh, we'll visit with Henry coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and pregame live from outside the Jones on Rock 101.1. The Rockin' Interview. All right, it is time for Rocket Interview here. Former Red Raider quarterback Henry Columbia joining us uh, here on the Rocket Pregame. Henry, thanks for dropping by today. Absolutely, man. I'm so excited to be here today. 
All right. Well, Henry, what are you up to now, man? Oh, I'm actually, well, I'm spending some time in Amarillo right now. Uh, my girlfriend's from there, but we're actually um, home base in Chicago nowadays. So oh. kind of far. Um, I, I run a sales team out there. Um, so I'm able to bounce back and forth as much as I want, pretty much. Yeah. All right. That's good. So you have, is this your first trip back this season, or have you managed to come so back I in came for back, some games and stuff? Yeah. The okay. K-State game a couple okay. weeks ago, we were here. Um, that was my first time back in a few years, so we were all juiced up. And I was trying to make it, you know, to the rest of the home games while I was out in town. Well, it must bring back some flashbacks seeing three quarterbacks playing. I mean, it's been year after year after year, and including your year. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to be a trend. It, it's crazy. It's always one play away. Um, and, I, of course, I've, I've kept up all year. Um, I'm good friends with, obviously, Tyler and Barron. I don't know Jake too well, but I think all of them bring something great to the table. What's your initial thoughts for tonight now, uh, after this bye week, to, to get this win over TCU tonight? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, you know, TCU, obviously, an in-state game, Big 12 matchup. Um, they're coming off a loss as well, obviously, loss in Provo. Provo is no easy place to play, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think this is going to be a huge game for Texas Tech, and it's a big game for TCU as well. What, what, what was it like for you, I mean, uh, being the backup originally? And, I mean, are you always ready? I mean, the way the Big 12 is so physical, you got to be ready to jump in on any play. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, you know, I've my, my entire career I played behind few great quarterbacks, Alan Bowman, Tyler Shuck, obviously Jordan Love. Um, so it's always preparing like you're the starter because, like I said earlier, it's one play away and you're literally having to control the team, try and win a ball game in conference play. So, What kind of preparation do you get as not being going into the week as the starter? And how different is that? Because you've, you've done both ways. How, how different is it in terms of preparation? So I think at first, like, there's a learning curve um, to kind of adjust to that. But even if you're the backup, if you're the third string, you always have to prepare like you're the starter. And I learned that the hard way. Um, you know, my freshman year, I kind of got thrown into a game, and I was unprepared. You know, I just kind of checked the box, and the results showed. And then after that, I never missed a beat. I was always preparing like I was a starter, and then moving forward, yeah, I'm obviously the starter. I always wondered if, if that was the case because you always hope it's the case when you're watching the game, you know. But I always wonder if you know, you're really over there thinking, ah, come on, I'm not going to go in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I, but the only thing I can even compare it to is like I was in second grade and I was the understudy in the Shoemaker and the Elves for, for one of the characters. And I didn't that study a really line. compare at all. No, like, I'm just saying. No, <laughs> no, listen, no, listen. What, I, what I'm saying is, I, I'm, I, it's not. No, I'm not trying to compare it to that directly. I'm just saying. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, I'll never have to do that. I'm not going to learn these lines. That's ridiculous. And so that, that's the closest thing I got to it. Second grade uh, the understudy. So that's all I'm nice. saying. But you're the oh, understudy. Yeah. So all I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, when you're really sitting there, you got this guy in front of you who's, you know, he's, he's, he's the starter. He's the guy. And. You know, it is. It's just funny. Do you ever really sit there and, you know, is it is it hard not to have the kind of that, that feeling of, ah, give me, you know, come on, what are the chances really? Yeah, I think as a young guy, um, you know, kind of comparing it to Jake's situation, yeah. um, his first or so year, I think he probably wasn't thinking, right? Like, and I'm his third string, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's really, yeah. And you got to think about it. My last year at Tech, we played four quarterbacks. Mm. And I don't know if every quarterback in the room that year thought, oh, yeah, I'll be able to get a shot this yeah. year. You know, yeah. but you never know. Like, yeah. two guys go down in one game, you're the backup next week. It's crazy to think about, but it's, it's football today. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good thing you were, you were ready to go. You weren't like me. <laughs> you mentioned your uh, freshman year. That was at Utah State, right? Yeah. And you were recruited by Coach Yost to Utah State. Is that right? Yep. And then, obviously, you came here. What was it like just going in the transfer portal? And when you went to the transfer portal, did you know you were coming here and, and 
going to follow Coach Yost and Coach Wills here? So, um, you know, my, my plan when I was at Utah State was to be a four- or five-year starter there. Obviously, I didn't understand that Jordan Love, the future first round pick, was in front of me. Um, so I was really behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, things didn't work out there. A new coaching staff, obviously, Matt Wells left, things like that. When I went into the transfer portal, a few schools reached out. I wasn't sure if Matt and Yost were going to. I knew that if they did, um, it would be something that I'd definitely look into. Obviously, familiarity with the offense and things like that. And when they did, and, you know, I came to love it. I came on a visit. I was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere else. <laughs> I'm coming here, and obviously, I, I'm huge red raider so that's interesting because i interviewed you when you were in the transfer portal and offered and all that and you know you never really know you know sometimes the recruits say hey don't don't say this you know but yeah i got in the transfer portal no no one i was coming and you said you didn't know and i didn't I, you know i don't know how much you could believe because the you know tampering and all you don't want any of that stuff out there so it's interesting now that i mean everybody's gone <laughs> so you could say it doesn't matter uh, but you really didn't know if they were going to be interested no, when you yeah. jumped in the transfer I really didn't. You know, like, I, I felt like in my heart, right, like I had a sneaking suspicion maybe since they recruited me out of high school. But other than that, like, it wasn't like they are you know, trying to reach out to me and grab me. Um, but when they called, I for sure answered the phone. That was one thing. <laughs> and then, uh, obviously, it came out here. So, All right, Henry Columbia with us on the Rock and Pregame. Our text line, 806-900-1011. If you've got a question for, uh, for Henry today and, Jay uh, just texted, said, what's the difference between starting a game and coming in after an injury, and what was uh, your favorite moment at Texas Tech? So um, I guess the biggest difference is, you know, when you come in after an injury, it's not a 0-0 ball game. Um, there's completely different situations. You can be down a couple touchdowns. You have to come air right out, 20 passes in a row, you know, two-minute drills, things like that. Obviously, the preparation is a lot different throughout the week when you know you're going to be starting. And obviously, we, we all know um, going into the week who's going to be starting, things like that. Um, and then my, my favorite moment, I guess, as a Red Raider, um, probably my, my first start in Lubbock. Uh, it was against West Virginia. Um, my whole family was here. Obviously, they came out when I told them that I was starting. Obviously, um, all of them getting to be here, watching us beat them, was a pretty awesome experience for all of us. All right, uh, Henry Columbia, former uh, Red Raider quarterback with us in the Rock and Pregame. Can you stick around for another segment? Yeah, definitely. All right, we got more. So remember, if you got a question for Henry you'd like to ask, uh, you can text us at 806-900-1011. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame, live from Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Gandy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at the Big 12 schedule, just one game tonight. The Red Raiders hosting TCU, 6 o'clock. The game is on FS1. The Red Raiders favored by 2.5. Saturday, Big 12 action kicks off 11 a.m. with number 23, Kansas State, at number 7, Texas. Longhorns favored by 4 in that one. Houston is at Baylor Saturday. Both teams are 3-5. and five. Bears favored by 3.5. They kick at 2.30. Two of the new teams, Central Florida is at Cincinnati. That is a 2.30 kickoff on Saturday. Number 9, Oklahoma, and number 22, Oklahoma State, kickoff 2.30 on Saturday. Sooners favored by 6. Number 21, Kansas. They are at Iowa State, uh, Kansas 6-2, Iowa State 5-3. That's a 6 o'clock kickoff. And then BYU and West Virginia go at it in Morgantown. Both teams are 5-3. That game kicks off 6 o'clock Central Time. That is your Big 12 schedule for this week. A deeper look. 
right, we've got Henry Columbia with his former Red Raider quarterback and uh, questions. Uh, we got a text line going if you've got a question, 806-900-1011. Hey, Henry, uh, who, what Red Raiders do you keep in touch with? So I, I talked to Baron this afternoon. Um, you know, we, we had a great relationship when I was here. Uh, a little bit of Tyler. Um, talked to him when I was in K-State, and then I guess two other guys, Taj and Miles. Obviously, all offensive guys, but <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get a gauge of how Barron's feeling for tonight. Yeah, he's fired up. Um, you know, it, this is a big game for him too. He knows that. Um, he's excited to be back on the field and you know get rolling, slinging the rock around. Absolutely. Who was your favorite receiver to throw the ball to? Did you have one or? Yeah, um, I, I'd say uh, Easy Eric Ezekama. Yeah. 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 <laughs> At the time, right, he was my go-to every down. You know, every third down. Absolutely. Um, then obviously my first year TJ Vasher was kind of nice to throw to you big target. Absolutely. Hey, uh, how, how was life at Marshall when you were there? Uh, you know, it's different. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, I, I was always keeping up with the Red Raiders. <laughs> uh, I guess Huntington and Lubbock are two very different things. Um, and then, uh, you know, the coaching staff here, you know, I love the guys here. Um, so coming back here is awesome for me. What do you think about the, the new amenities? There's going to, you know, you probably wish you could be still be playing no, yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Last time when I was here and someone scored, you know, there was red lights flashing. I was like, ah, <laughs> I missed out, man. You know, I would have loved, you know, the lights flickering on and off yeah, when yeah. I score. It's pretty sick, to, you know, to get that atmosphere, a little Big 12 ball in, so... <laughs> One of the things we like to talk about with former athletes is like in the game, some of the X's and O's stuff. And one of the big topics of discussions with the fans this year is the play calling, the quarterbacks, you know, checking at the line of scrimmage. How much freedom did you have and how often did you do that? And what like what keys did you look for? Yeah, so I think it, it all comes down to the trust with the offensive coordinator to the quarterback. Um, when I was playing for uh, David Yost, I had free roam to pretty much check whatever I want. You know, we even ran plays that were, you know, it was like quick check, something like that, mm. you know, based off of the defense. Uh, with Cumbie, since it was my first year with him, that was a little bit more limited. As we got a little bit more comfortable later on in the year, that's when it opened up a little bit for the quarterback. I'm assuming it's, you know, probably the same thing in this situation. And then y'all made a like a really impressive run with the, the the end of that year. You had like what four games against four ranked opponents, beat Iowa State, big win against Mississippi State in the bowl game. What was that like given the coaching change and everything that went on that season? Yeah, I think um, when you're a Big 12 Power 5 program, you, you know that you're able to compete in every game. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of star power they have, you know, what guys you're out. It's always next man up like we were kind of talking about. Um, and it was kind of taking the game by game, right? You know, um, you know, on the road, at home, no matter what it is, you know, locking on the game plan and then go executing. And I think that was our mentality the, the entire rest of the year that year. Was there – I'm interested – how, I don't know how much you want to share because obviously you have a relationship with Coach Wells and so do I, to be honest. But what was it like as a team in terms of what did y'all talk about? What kind of team meetings did you have that you could share after you know, he was let go and there was a change? Yeah, so um, personally for me, you know, I remember I was walking literally to the class and I, I read it on Twitter or something. And yeah. I, I'm, I mean, we're, we were three and one at that point. We had just lost to K State, so we, I was probably three and two at that point. Yeah. And it came to a shock, right? I mean, we're, we're one game above 500. Or halfway to bowl eligibility and he's out of here and I guess that's just the nature of the business um, I, I think it was kind of like a split locker room like some guys you know um, oh, this is the best for the team and other guys kind of confusion right so I was on the latter part a little confused why things are going on but like I said man it's college football you know it's just like the NFL guys are going left and right so yeah I, I'm curious also coming from Utah State I mean it's still division one football still big time college football but coming up to the power five level did you notice the difference in athletes like uh, both on offense that you got to you mentioned ez 
some of the guys you got to play with, but then also the defenses you played against? Yeah, um, I think the biggest difference when you're talking about G5 and Power 5 is the front seven. I think that all mm. skill athletes are pretty much um, not the same, obviously, like when you look at Texas Tech skill players compared to my skill players, Utah State. Obviously a big difference, but the major difference you notice is the trenches. Mm. Um, obviously a lot tighter windows in the passing game, and then, you know, you got to get the ball out quicker in the power five. You know, rush is coming in. Guys are coming and take your head off. So that's the biggest difference there. And, and, and you bring that up. I was, I was about to ask you about this. It's like, you know, one of the areas of concern for Tech this year has been the offensive line. And a lot of times, you know, people watch a game and, and you, you know, you tend to watch who has the ball. You know, you watch the quarterbacks. Like, Man, what's he doing? How come he didn't throw? How come, he, how come he's running again? What's he, you know? Talk about the offensive line and what is that, you know, a good offensive line, you know, how important is that to the quarterback? I mean, it sounds like a stupid question maybe, but I just think people tend to, to watch the person with the ball. And a lot of times people don't just watch the offensive line, you know. Yeah. But, but clearly having a great line is, is, is really important. But as a guy that's been back there behind the line maybe that, you know, if you're worried about it or. No, it, yeah, I mean, I, I remember vividly there was one game um, – we had like a center change. I think it might have been the game when we went into Morgantown um, after Tyler got hurt. And we're in pregame warm-ups and the backup center, I can't remember who it was at the time, but he fired like seven snaps over my head. I, looked, I think I remember that. <laughs> I looked at Sonny and I was like, yo, you know, this is probably not good, you know. So it was in the back of my mind, right? And then you're thinking about it um, when you're going to take the first snap of the game on the road, the stadium's loud. Um, so there's so many things that go into it. Um, a good good old line makes you so much more comfortable. Yeah. It just allows you to, you know, focus on you, focus on the defense, go through your reads, things like that. Maybe it takes, it takes one more thing you don't really have to worry as much about. But, yeah, I guess that would be a little rough. Gosh, I hope the, the ball gets to me. Well, we just yeah. saw that yeah. in uh, Provo where there was bad right. snaps uh, that, that affected the game for Texas Tech. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, remember, I was watching that game. I got another qu- uh, another question from our text line here. Joanna says, "How has uh, Coach McGuire been uh, as far as treatment of like former players, inviting guys back, and, and that kind of stuff?" Yeah, so um, I had a sh- really quick relationship before I got out of here to Marshall, um, but he helped me through the entire process. Right, you know, a guy that I barely knew, and then up to that point, um, obviously, like there's really lack of communication because I, I I haven't been here. Right, um, when we went to the K State game a couple weeks ago. I saw him on the field, and he literally welcomed us onto the midfield, like acted like we were part of his family. He was all juiced oh, wow. up to see us there, which is pretty awesome. Um, you know, it makes us feel a lot better when we're coming back home, you know, to have the head coach treat us like family. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Cool. What made you decide to, to transfer uh, to, to Marshall? Um, so I guess like the coaching change again, right? Um, yeah. I, it was my last year. I wanted to just kind of be able to, you know, group of quarterbacks here. In all honesty, is one of the best I've ever been around yet. Yeah. At the time, me, Tyler, Barron, and Donovan, all Division One starters with yeah. one games. I wanted to go to a different program where it was pretty much just me, right? I'll be able to just go run the last year. Um, so that was pretty much like the biggest reason. That why. makes sense. Have you had a chance to talk to Tyler? I mean, three straight years getting injured. I mean, that guy's a, a warrior. And, and coming back from that second one, I mean, he was running the ball. He was phenomenal. And just uh, that's a heartbreaking to see another setback for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I heard about it, right, I, I was I was heartbroken for him. I know he's a guy, he's a uh, leader in the locker room. It works real hard on and off the field. And to see that, it, it obviously came at a very terrible time. Um, I, I talked to him a couple weeks ago when I was here. I, I thought he might be at the game. I was going to catch up with him. But, I mean, he's still all around the locker room. He tells me how all the guys tell me he's all, you know, cheering him on. Like, it's nothing but positive energy from him. Yeah. 
All right, one, one last question. Uh, ga- tonight's game, uh, you know, you've watched Tech play this year and probably seen some TCU. What are you, what are you feeling about the game tonight? Yeah, um, like I said earlier, like both in pretty similar spots, right? Um, you know, obviously we're coming off a bye. I, I love teams coming off a bye. You have that extra week to get healthy and um, obviously prepare for TCU. In-state games, they're never fun. They're always dirty, right? You know, it's going to be a battle. Uh, but I think that Texas Tech, I think, you know, talking to Barron, he knows how much that this game means to the community and the team. Um, I think that Red Raiders can do real good tonight. All right. Henry Columbia, former Red Raider quarterback, takes some time with us here on the Rock and pregame today. Thanks for uh, dropping by, Henry. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, it's good being to have here. former players here. And, uh, yeah, back in town again, let us know, all right? 100%. All right. Coming up next. Uh, Jacob Harris from Inside the Red Raiders joins us breaking down the recent exhibition win uh, for Tech Basketball uh, versus Texas A&M. That was pretty cool. So we'll talk some basketball here uh, next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame outside Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Time to take a check of the Candy's Milk College Football Scoreboard. Looking at some of the top 25 games coming up this weekend. Number 10, Ole Miss hosting Texas A&M, 11 a.m. Number 1, Ohio State at Rutgers. That's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Number 17, Tennessee hosting UConn. You got number 15, Notre Dame at Clemson, who's only 4-4 four and four this year. Number 23, Kansas State at number 7, Texas, an 11 a.m. kickoff. Number 18, Utah hosting Arizona State. Army goes to number 25, Air Force. Air Force 8-0 this year. That's a 1.30 kick. Number 12, Missouri. And number 2, Georgia go at 2.30 on Saturday. Number 11, Penn State goes to Maryland, 2.30 Saturday. Number 4, Florida State at Pitt. Number 13, Louisville hosting Virginia Tech. Number 9, Oklahoma. And number 22, Oklahoma State battling uh, in a big one as always. Number 24, Tulane at East Carolina. And you got number 6, Oregon hosting California. Number 21, Kansas is at Iowa State. Number 3, Michigan hosting Purdue. Number 5, Washington at number 20, USC. Number 14, LSU. And number 8, Alabama collide. And number 16, Oregon State at Colorado, who's dropped to 4-4. And And finally, number 19, UCLA at Arizona. A lot of top 25 action all on Saturday. Starting five. All right, we're going to take a break talking football to talk some Red Raider basketball because uh, by now everybody knows about that recent exhibition win over Texas A&M. Even though it's exhibition, it never uh, it's never not fun when you beat the Aggies at anything. That's a good time. That's so today, good. to talk some Tech basketball, we've got Jacob Harris who covers Tech basketball for Inside the Red Raiders. Jacob, first off, thanks for being here today. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, man. It's, uh, you, you cover uh, Tech basketball. I don't know if there's uh, many people that know more about Tech basketball than maybe Coach McCaslin than, than this guy right here. <laughs> Let me get your thoughts. Uh, before the game, mm. did you think they could win? I mean, obviously, it's a new team, new coach. Uh, A&M is ranked 15th, uh, a lot of guys back. What was your initial thoughts about this exhibition? Honestly, I didn't really know what to think going into it. I I knew who we had. I knew what kind of style we were going to play. I didn't know what to expect against a team that is ranked and that, you know, is expected to be a Sweet 16 team, basically. I was really impressed with the way they came out and and obviously beat Texas A&M. Yeah, I think it was 89-84. Pop Mm -hmm. Isaacs had 30. who stood out in the game for you? I mean, besides Pop right. Isaacs, you got to look at a guy like Devin Cambridge. Uh, another, he's a super senior transfer to Arizona State. 
big 6'6 guy. He can jump out of the gym. He's going to play, you know, a lot of different positions for you this season. He had 16 points, uh, five rebounds, two or three assists, a steal, a couple blocks. I mean, he just did everything for you, shooting from the outside, being able to, you know, throw down alley-oops. He can do everything for you, and I think he's going to really, really impress some guys this year. So, so he made 14 threes mm-hmm. in this game, and, and that's that's exciting yes. uh, to see, some, maybe some shooters. Is that the kind of thing that does this team have the capability to, do you think, to really be that kind of a shooting team, night in, night out, or was that just you had a couple of guys that were just really hot for, for that one night? And, I mean, are they know, that good of shooters, do you think? I don't quite know the answer to that question yet, but here's what I will say. I will say that comparatively over the past couple of coaches, Coach McCaslin really knows his personnel and is really going to let the guys that know how to shoot, shoot the ball. Okay, they've always got the green light. Pop Isaacs, Chance McMillan, guys like that are always going to have the green light if they're open, and that's something that uh, that I think is going to carry potentially carry us this year. We've got, you know, they they, they took 34 three pointers against Texas A&M last year. They averaged seven per game. Wow, that is a uh, that is a huge difference, and that's something that I think is going to uh, to translate to the regular season as well. And I would think, you know, uncertainty among the fans, even uncertainty among those guys, this has got to help confidence now as we get mm-hmm. started this week with real games. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, personally, I, I thought going into the game maybe we were going to be a bubble team, but now I think we're sitting at the top end of the bubble, maybe even on top of the bubble, to where I, I think they're they're a solid they're a solid NCAA tournament team. What do you think about Coach McCaslin? He's genuine. Yeah. Um, he's authentic. He is going to treat everybody the same. He is not going. He's not going to sugarcoat anything for you. I mean, you know, just talking to people, he didn't guarantee any one player anything going into the season. Not Pop Isaacs. You know, not any of these transfers. He said you are going to have to come in and work and earn everything you get. And I think that is that is something that is going to elevate this program. Yeah. Okay. No, I was going to ask about the the big man. It looks like there's like four guys on this roster mm-hmm. that you could kind of, you know, you could look at as as big men. Who do you, do you think Tech? I mean, are all those guys going to see a lot of playing time, or who, who's the, who's the one guy that uh, you, you think stands out from the among those four? Obviously, uh, Warren Washington, big seven footer out of Arizona State. I think he's going to be your starter. I think he's going to take up the majority of the minutes at that spot. Other guys you could see, you could see Robert Jennings, who's a who's a returner. You can see a true freshman. Um, they call him EY because I don't know exactly how to say his first name, but his last name is Yalaho, <laughs> the guy, the, 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 the true freshman out of Finland. You can see, I mean, even you can see a guy like Dave, Devin Cambridge there. He's he's got such an athletic ability. I think he could play some of the five. He's this a year. six six. Yeah, he's a six guy? six. Okay, kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played he played some bigger. small ball five for them this past weekend, and I think they got a bunch of turnovers and scored a bunch of points whenever they had the the really small lineup with him at the five. You could also see a guy like Kyron Lindsay take a couple minutes there at the five, even though he's he's more of a natural wing. But uh, just kind of due to, to the lack of size this year, he's, he's going to maybe step up and play some five. But it'll be an interesting rotation to see. But I, like I said, I think Warren Washington takes the vast majority of the minutes there. And now we get started. First game Wednesday, Texas A&M mm-hmm. Commerce, 7 o'clock here. Uh, your thoughts on that as they you know start counting for real? Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to, uh, to kind of – you know, showcase this offense, showcase the defense. It's going to be a lot different than what we've seen the past couple of coaches. I think offensively, we're going to, you know, they're going to be a lot faster. You're going to see a lot more ball movement. You're going to see a lot less dribbling the ball, one person dribbling the ball and then throwing it down to the post or taking a three-pointer. You're going to see a lot of a lot of side-to-side movement um, and obviously a lot of three-point shots taken. Um, I think it's going to be really, really positive. 
Um, defensively, you're going to see a lot of a lot of forcing the ball one way. We're we're kind of going away a little bit from the no middle because last season people really started to figure that out. Yeah. Obviously, with with the ability to kick the ball across the floor, shoot corner threes. This year, we're not going to see that. This year, they're going to obviously they got Dave Smart, who is basically the John Wooden of Can- Canadian basketball, to come in. He's basically going to be their defensive coordinator. He's done a really really good job from what I've heard so far in instilling you know a, a defense here that is going to be very successful. Well, I hope we see some, you know, some offensive excitement. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. always says, "Man, I want them running gun," and it's exciting. I think most people just you just want to win. Exactly. First of all, so I, I don't care how you win. Mm-hmm. But I always thought that the weird thing, even going back to you know, like to Beard, even was, I felt like. Uh, you know, you had guys maybe that could shoot, and they would get an open shot, but mm-hmm. it almost looked like there was this fear of shooting it too quickly because they're going to get yanked out of the game. And so a guy would pass on an open shot, dish it off to somebody, and then the shot clock starts to run out, and we're jacking up a desperation shot. You used to see that all the time. So I kind of like what you're saying here mm-hmm. is that there's guys that, that got a green light to take that shot and not uh, second absolutely. guess. I, I think you know with the last two coaches, even Coach Adams, I feel like, there was a lot of that hesitancy with some of the shooters. I don't think you're going to see that at all here, okay. which is which is really incredible. How do you like the non-conference schedule? I mean, they, you know, you got the trip to Atlantis. I know mm-hmm. they at least play Villanova. They got Butler. Uh, some some good tests there before you jump into the Big Twelve. I think it's obviously elevated compared to last season. Um, you know, like you said, you got Villanova, who's probably going to be the best team on your schedule, um, and then whoever the other two teams you write in Lances are probably going to be your next two. But you have a lot of mid-major teams that I think uh, that I think could give you a good test. Um, you know, a team like uh, you know, Sam Houston State's had some success. North Alabama, this is only their you know, second or third year in Division One. They almost made the NCAA tournament in their conference last year. I mean, there's just a ton. A ton of good mid-majors that are going to be coming in here, and, and they're going to give us a, a good, you know, a good different look compared to what we what we see a lot. It's interesting to hear you you talk about that because I've, a lot of people have been kind of saying, eh, "This is not a conference schedule." Eh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like we got a question on the text line here sure. that said, "How does this schedule help or hurt the Red Raiders?" This non-conference schedule sucks. So, I mean, I've heard a lot of people say <laughs> that, but to hear you kind of break it down, it seems like you got maybe a little different idea of that of that schedule. Well, but, I mean. Honestly, it, it's a, it's different, especially with the transfer portal from a year-to-year basis. I feel like this year there are, you know, they, well, it's this is not going to be a schedule where you're you're facing ranked opponents all the time. No, no Power Five school, very few Power Five schools have that. Yeah. And I, I think I think you know, it's, it, with a lot of the non-conference scheduling, it's about relationships between coaches. And I feel like Coach McCaslin has a lot of relationships with very good coaches, with very good programs. That even if you know they're not as talented, they're not as good, they're going to come in and give us a good test. They're going to come in and show us a different look, something we might see down the road in conference play. And they're, they're going to always have talented players. I mean, even Butler, who's not expected to do very much this year in the Big East, is going to have two very talented Power 5 guards that both average double digits at their last school and that are going to come in and give us a good test. Outside of the popular choice every year of Kansas, who's the team that you think has the best shot of winning the Big 12 this year? Man, I'm going to hurt myself saying this. Texas. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to make you do it, but yeah. you know, I think I could I tell that hurt you. Yeah, I think I think it hurt they, us all. I think yeah. they have a, a a solid a solid you know group of players. 
you know, obviously they added Max Abus from Oral Roberts. They got Tyrese Hunter coming back. They got Dylan Mitchell. Coming. They just have they have a really really good group of returners and an elite transfer portal class. Please tell me Brock Cunningham is gone. Is he still on I, that I team? Be- I believe he's gone. Honestly, oh, uh, oh, honestly, he he did not make enough of an impact for me to care that much. I about just didn't him. like him. I just hated watching him. Yeah, I just his personal. Yeah. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> I didn't like the way he played. He just he was he just one of those players that every team has that guy. That one guy. That the opposing team, they had that one guy you oh, just yeah. can't, stand, can't stand, and he was that guy. <laughs> Here's another question here. Uh, what's the talk on the recruiting trail as far as basketball goes? Well, um, we're, the, the team is not going to be very active in the class of 2024. Um, this is mainly due to the coaching change. Um, a lot of the with these basketball recruits, you know, you really need to get to know them very very well you need to have intimate you know you need to have these really good relationships with them you know for year years and years with their coaches and you you know and i just don't think that there there were very many relationships built just because you know he got the job and you know at the end of march and april right. so uh, they've they've really um they've really focused on the 2025 class there's a there's a you know there's a couple guys in that class that have already taken official visits here which is very very impressive um, and I think they're going to go really, really heavy in the transfer portal this offseason. See, it seems like in basketball, I mean, you know, transfer is big in, you know, football and everything, really. But basketball, I almost feel like it's to the point where high school recruiting kind of seems like, yeah, yeah, okay. Because you know there's going to be a million transfers out there every year. Absolutely. And and so it is. It's, it's weird. As a high school guy, it, it almost feels like – Tell me what your thoughts are, but like in football now, like JUCO guys used to be, that's where you mm-hmm. went to plug holes. Now those guys are all, are not even finding a lot of opportunities because of the transfer portal. This almost seems like in basketball, it's almost like high school guys are going to have a harder time finding you know power five opportunities because there's so many transfers that can step in. Is that at all accurate, or is that overblown? Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty accurate actually. I mean a lot of the, you see a lot of these you know. Maybe top 100, top 120 guys that used to be going to, to Power 5 schools, now all of a sudden they're heading to mid-majors where they know they can contribute and they know they can make you know, an impact just so in a year or two they can transfer to they can transfer to bigger schools. Yeah. So they they you know a lot of people see that as a better opportunity to get to high level basketball than you know going to JUCO like you used to. It's interesting how it's how it's really changed the landscape of mm-hmm. college oh, basketball transfer thing. All right, Jacob Harris. One last question here. Sure. What uh, what's your latest article on Inside the Red Raiders? What, uh, what do you got posted I've, there? I have a I have a couple things that I posted this week. Today we posted a, a non conference preview, kind of broke down each of the teams that, that we know the the eleven. Um, I didn't break down the entire Battle of Atlantis tournament. I'll do that later. Um, but the the eleven known um, non conference opponent, I kind of kind of gave who I thought was going to be their best player. Kind of did a synopsis on their last season, um, stuff like that. And then the other one, I did a, a breakdown of what I thought. The initial rotation was going to be for the uh, for the men's basketball team based on you know what I've heard from you know preseason practices over the summer and uh, the exhibition and the scrimmage they had. All right, Jacob Harris, the man who who knows uh, Texas Tech basketball. Man, we appreciate you uh, coming by. Hopefully during the season you can stop by. Of course, uh, some more you get get a chance. Love to hear your insight and be sure and check out Jacob's work on InsideTheRedRaiders.com. All right, we come back uh, back to football tonight's game specifically. We'll talk about. Uh, thoughts on offense and defense tonight here at the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame. We're outside Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Red Raider Offense. 
All right, so uh, Texas Tech, TCU tonight, 6 o'clock, FS1. And uh, what does Texas Tech need to do offensively to, to win the game? I have a question for you. Okay. Everybody here has watched Texas Tech football for at least like decades, basically, yeah. or a decade and longer. When was the last time you saw offense this bad at Texas Tech? Defense, I mean, come on. Some of the worst in college football history. Right, I get it. right. But yeah, the defense is actually decent this year. Yeah. I mean, they're not creating turnovers, but, I mean, they're doing enough to win. This offense, though, mighty joke. Speaking of Inside the Red Raiders, we just had Jacob Harris on. I'm not tr- trying to turn it into Inside oh, the Red Raiders right. show, but he said back since Jerry Moore. Oh, so that's probably, yeah. That's, oh. So we're talking about 40 years. Yeah the worst offense at Texas Tech in 40 years. And he's usually right about stuff. Oh, yeah. With, with and he calls, to it, like, he calls he it like it is. He's not afraid to... I would have said the yeah. 90s, maybe in the Spike Dykes, when it was more of a ground and pound, but right. I mean, they had Doak Walker Award winners and stuff like that, you know? Hey, I even mean, back they, in the days we had the Smurfs playing, you right, know, I mean, and those they still guys, had they, good they still move the ball, yeah. This is the worst. I mean, you could say, you could look at a lot of stats, a lot of the points scored on. This might be the worst offense at Texas Tech in 40 years. Yeah, and so, so yeah, you look at this game tonight, and you know, what do you, what's Tech going to do? I mean, you've got Barron back and hopefully can play the whole game. And, yeah, which you I know, love, which and, and, I, and I feel better about that, you know, at least. But, gosh, it's just been such a mess. Even when Chuck was playing, you know, before he got yeah. injured, it's never, it hasn't really looked great all year. People want to say, oh, injury, this injury. And I'm not saying that hadn't played a role. But this offense has struggled since basically since the second quarter of the of the season opener. Right. Yeah. No matter who the quarterback is, no matter who they were playing, no matter where they were playing, this offense has struggled. And then against BYU, snaps were a problem, which we're going to see now. I'm very happy about that Dennis Wilburn is moving back over to center. He started all 13 games last year at center. And he's I like thought, a Burlesworth. Uh, uh, he's on the list. Yeah, that's right. He that. is, yeah. yeah. And he, yeah. I thought he did a great job at center last year. And we were told, and even Dennis told me before the season, look, uh, you know, my natu- more natural position is at guard. And I believe that what they said, they believe. But I think he was better at center than he's been at guard, and I certainly think he was better at center than what we've seen from Rusty Stats. Yeah. So, Stats, they said, you know, he had an arm injury, and McGuire, I'll give him credit. He said, look, he was having a problem snapping the ball before he got injured, but he did get injured. He said they charted it 26% of the snaps for Texas Tech against BYU were off target. You, you already, we, we just had Henry Columbia on earlier, and he was talking about, you know, how snaps can impact just before you even get started, before you get to it actually play. your timing off right, if it's everything. not right where it needs to be, if you got to go high for it. They or. didn't make the degree, have to make the degree of difficulty for true freshman Jake Strong any, any tougher. You know what I mean? Like, right. they didn't have to increase that for to where he was looking to. I mean, even on the Tech's last scoring drive, the ball was rolled back to him twice, which, blew, you know, blew up the whole timing with, with some of those handoffs with him and Taj. So, I'm glad Dennis Wilburn's in center. Uh, I think that's going to be an improvement. I'm glad Baron Morton's back. I think that's going to be an improvement. But I think it still goes back to feed Taj, right, Pete? Yeah, and he needs 109 to get 1,000. And, uh, I mean, I hope they use him. And so, uh, but, you know, they also talked about maybe throwing the ball deeper uh, on some plays. that You know, we haven't seen that that much. But Why? I, I don't know. Is it is it the wide receivers just don't run great routes? Is it is it just lack of a great effort? Well, the, you have to say this is the worst receiving core that Texas oh, had. Totally. That goes right hand in hand with yeah. what we said overall. I mean, I, you, I mean, who, look who do you who do you see? Who on the team do you look at and be like, man, this guy's like 
Henry Columbia mentioned earlier, EZ. I mean, EZ yeah. was legit. You knew he was going to the league. Right, yeah. I mean, I like Miles Price, but he's not like. But you always think if the not, guys take his hat over the years, they're with that guy. Yeah. He's not. Uh, Jakeem Grant. Jakeem Grant. I mean, come on. <laughs> Please, can you imagine having Jakeem Grant on this team? How much different yeah, it would yeah. look? You know, I mean, even just throwing little screens out to him and stuff. So the receiving core has been a disappointment. I think one guy I want to give love to is Caleb Rogers. We've talked a lot of smack about him. Or not smack. We've, we've Fairly. We have pointed out his struggles, I think is the best way to say it. I want to point out that he's been much better this year. I mean, think about it. I don't remember him giving up a lot of sacks. His penalties right. are way down. And in going back and watching the game, a lot of those runs, he sprung because he's really good in terms of pulling and getting to the second and third levels. Like, he's very athletic. So, I mean, it hasn't been the offensive line as much this year. Not that it's been stellar. But compared to last year, I do think the offensive line, especially guys like Caleb Rogers and I think Dennis Wilburn have been good. And it hasn't been as bad. But the receiving core has not been good. Yeah quarterback play and the passing game has not been good. Well, hopefully we see uh, Taj have a good night tonight and hopefully they, you know, they try to establish some run and, you know, they always say, well, if they're loading the box, we're not just going to, you know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I do like Barrett. You know. I do like, I think, I think, like, the experience he's getting right now, if he can, you know, stay healthy, could really help. I know everybody gets tired of talking about next year, but I really do think it could help, you know. And then, uh, okay, so offensively, yeah, it's kind of been a mess this year. Hopefully see something good tonight. Uh, real quick here, just defensively for Tech, defense has played pretty well this year. And, and, put, and, and, you know, most games Tech's been in a position to win it had they had anything close to a typical Tech offense. So uh, thoughts on defense tonight? Well, uh, again, at home, I, I would love to see the take three yeah, that's it. I'd love to that's see it. that. That's what we need. I mean, these guys should be fired up. They know what's at stake. And uh, I haven't seen these guys, like, roll over like some Red Raider teams of the past. I mean, they want to keep fighting. They know they can get a bowl game, and they know it's disappointing. But tonight, after a bye week, they got to show it. And we need to see this defense causing some turnovers, and, uh, you know, that'll make a difference. Pressure the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen a lot of that. Well, here's yeah. a stat for you. How many turnovers have you seen this defense create in the last four games? Think about it. Uh, One. Wow. One. It's not take three. It's, you know, which, I mean, I kind of, you go back to those shirts, the 50-burger on offense. I mean, what are the chances they put up 50 points tonight? I mean, uh, you know. I'm going to say it's very slim. And one turnover in four games. I mean, they were minus eight in the turnover battle. Everybody, Everybody wants to talk about the offense turning over, but the defense hasn't turned it over either. So you can't win being minus, you know, four right, against yeah. anybody in the Big 12. Well, uh, hopefully uh, defense has a, a, a night, has some turnovers tonight, so we'll make Pete happy. And uh, I guess it'd make everybody happy. Absolutely, really. yeah. You're we just kind it. of the face of the happiness we're all hoping for. Wow. I'm, I mean, I'm, you got, I'm rolling with these guys regardless. <laughs> all right, we're back with our final word. Pete's ride or die. This is my crew. Right, final word coming up on the Red Raider after <laughs> Rock and Pre. Uh, pre-game outside Red Raider Outfitter across from the Jones on Rock 101.1. Time for the final word. 
All right, Tim, final thoughts before we get out of here and get over to uh, tonight's game, Texas Tech and TCU. We'll do some score predictions tonight. All right, uh, what, what's what's our intern's Todd. name on this show? I know I see him in every every radio station I'm on, and he's some, somebody different. We'll roll with Todd. But, uh, Todd, what are, what are you thinking uh, about the game tonight? Some thoughts, quick thoughts here. Uh, I th- actually think this will be pretty close, maybe even a little sloppy. Two backup quarterbacks are playing tonight. Uh I think Tech is going to win. I think the home crowd will help them get through it. But I think it's going to be pretty gritty. I think it's going to be 21 to 17 Tech. Oh, a little lower scoring. Yeah. 21 17. All right. All right. Jared, thoughts? I have TCU winning 31 to 24. Uh, don't get me wrong. I could see Tech winning because TCU is not great. It is at home and all that. But man, just we haven't seen it this year from them, you know. I mean, except for a couple of games, and I think TCU's a little better than Houston and Baylor. All right, yeah, I've, I'm kind of with you here. I, I just think this team, you know, we said it earlier. I just don't think they're very good this year. And you can come up with a million reasons why yeah. and ifs and what if and if that and. But they're just not that great this year. I got TCU 34, Tech 31. Pete Pete had to leave to go do TV, but he says he's putting three scoops of positivity on his his, uh, shots. Kool-Aid, okay. and he's picking 24-17. What do you I'm, got? I've got 33-28 Tech. I just think that you've got two teams that are can give up run uh, give up running plays, and got two good quarterback, uh, two running backs that are really good. So when you got people who can't stop the run, and you got two good running backs, you're going to have people running over each other. But you got Tech winning 33-28. All right, and we're all over the board on, on this as yeah. far as who's winning tonight, but. Uh, Appreciate you uh, checking out the Rockin' Pre-Game Show today. And remember, Red Raider Outfitter right here crossing the Jones. If you need something for tonight's blackout, uh, they, they got every all the gear you need tonight. Uh, game starts at 6. If you're not able to make it out to the game tonight, remember it's on uh, FS1. So Texas Tech, TCU. This has been the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on Rock 101.1. This has been a presentation of Rock 101.1 Sports and Alpha Media USA.